Well, technically, we're supposed to. This is much louder, Gary. Got a new new microphone. Hopefully, this one won't cut out. Um, yay, yes. Uh, we'll see. Uh, it's also almost flesh-colored. The other one kind of stuck out, but when you got a bald head, anything sticks out against that, that backdrop. Um, we are going to extend our... Um, Making change series just one week, but, but next week's special. There's going to be a special deal. I can't even tell you. If I told you right now, I'd have to kill you and you'd go and see the Lord and you'd miss it. So, um, I'm kidding. There is a special thing next week for both services. Uh, it'll be at the end of the first service. It'll be, um, in the middle of the second service. I want you to be here for that. Um, but that's all you get. It's, it's a super secret and only people who come get to know. Uh, and, and, and the message will be a little bit shorter next week. Yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh. How sad. Thanks, Amy. Uh, Because um, we just want to have some time to pray, and we want to have some time really to understand and, and... and worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We talk about that all the time. Spirit um, means the emotional side, but also controlled by the Holy Spirit. And 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 truth means with your mind. So with your mind and with your spirit, we're going to do that next week. And, and we want you to be here. Now, today uh, we're looking at um, tomorrow matters. Everybody say tomorrow matters. Now, the greatest threat to your financial future are two key little words here. See them? Instant gratification. Right? I want it now. I don't care about tomorrow. I want it now. I don't care how much the, uh, the interest rate is. I don't care about the cost. Now, these two little words, they also are the greatest threat to your relational future. I want stuff now that I shouldn't have until marriage. It's the greatest threat to your vocational future. When you graduate college, you think that that the kids think that they should make the same amount of money that their parents made when they've been working for 50 years or whatever and and live in the same type of house and all of that stuff. It's it's the same words. In your spiritual life, the greatest threat to your spiritual future is this idea of instant gratification. And, And I think that you guys are a lot like me, but let me just try this out. How many of you, when you text somebody, you expect to see those little bubbles popping up on your phone? like immediately, like as soon as whoop, you expect it, you expect it to come back in. Right. Right. Most of us, I want those bubbles flying. And, and I understand sometimes things are going on, but especially with my family, I, I expect those things to, to come back. By the way, when you call somebody, do you expect them to answer? Yes. She's sitting in here, so I'm going to stop right there. Um, okay. I just was wondering if it's just me now when, when you, um, when you're streaming Netflix, you're streaming a video from Netflix. Do you just love it when it starts buffering in the middle of whatever? I mean, we were there for a while. We got so irritated. We just quit watching because it was like every 10 seconds it was buffering. I want it now, right? Um, if you're watching your favorite show, let's say, let's say you're watching live, which I rarely do anymore because I can't stand commercials. I like flip, uh, skipping forward, you know. But let's say that you're watching it and your show ends and it has those dreaded words at the end, to be continued. When I was a kid, that was the worst torture on the planet that you had to wait seven days for happy days to be continued, right? You know. But we don't do that anymore. We have Netflix and we binge watch. How many of you have been watched at least one show, several episodes? Okay, yeah. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Don't do it. Don't do it. You'll wake up the next morning. You look like you have a hangover. It's a a binge-watching hangover. Uh, If I order something from Amazon, in fact, I will not order something from Amazon unless it has those that little word there. What's that word? Amazon Prime, because it's guaranteed two-day shipping. And for a long time, I didn't think that Amazon understood what guaranteed meant. 
Um, but, but they do. And if you actually call them on it, you can get an extra month free. Just a little, a little thing I learned the other day. Um, but if it, if it won't come in two days, I don't want it. I won't order it. I really, it would be better if it's here now, but I'll wait at least two days, right? We're just this instant gratification society and instant gratification is what makes it very difficult to talk to people about tomorrow that tomorrow matters. We, we understand this. We see this. We can look, especially in other people, we can look and we see it when it regards our health. We can see it in relationships that, that we don't think about tomorrow, but one of the biggest places it shows up is in our finances. CNN recently did a report that said 76 of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. So if you got four people sitting on your row, you're one of them, you got four people sitting on your row, the chances are, and, and don't point and don't elbow, right? Chances are that three of them, if they were to lose their job today, would not be able to pay rent in a couple of days when it comes due. That's American. Typical Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to bring any guilt today. That's not it, it at all. In fact, guilt doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. Guilt comes from the enemy. The enemy wants you to say, oh, I can never do better. I'm guilty. I can't ever do any better. Conviction, though, comes from the Holy Spirit. And conviction says, not only can I do better, with God's help, I will do better. You see the difference in guilt and, and conviction? So, so some of you are in a season of life and you can't help that it's paycheck to paycheck. We have a lot of single moms in this church. And if you got more than one kid and you're a single mom, it's, it's tough. Some of you do a little happy dance, whenever the electric bill is paid and whether, when the rent is paid, because you, there were moments during the month, you didn't think that was going to happen, right? There's, there's college students just get out of college and they, maybe they don't have a job yet. And it's a season of life. Uh, we had a lot of people affected by the, the oil industry, just all of a sudden drying up and, and. Now they've suddenly found, you know, one of the biggest oil reserves on in the planet. Um, certainly the biggest in the United States, in Texas, of course. Um, and so we're praying that things will go back. But, but here's what I'm saying is that um, too many of us, it's not because we're in a season of life. It's because we are, we have self-inflicted the wounds of being in debt, right? Financial stress generally comes from our own decisions, not from a season of life that we're in. If you're in a season of life, you put your head down and you get through that season. But pay attention to the habits that you're forming during that season because those habits will show up tomorrow and they'll show up next week. Um, if tomorrow really matters, it should change how we view today. It should ha- change how we handle money today. Look at a couple of Proverbs. The first one is Proverbs twenty-one twenty. It says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. What do fools do? What do fools do? What do fools do? I want you to let God's word penetrate your heart. The opposite of wisdom. If you, if you want to be what the Bible calls wise, then you're going to plan for the future. If you spend whatever you get, the Bible calls that foolish. Now look at Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. I love this. Solomon's kind of being a little bit smart aleck here, but, but it works, right? Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. I chose this translation because of that. Now, the NIV says you sluggard. I wasn't sure anybody knew what a sluggard was, but everyone knows what a lazy bones is. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. Solomon is going, even the ant knows, you lazy bones. Even the ant knows that winter's coming. Even the ant knows that tomorrow matters. Do you know the size of an ant's brain? 
Me either, but it's small. And the small brain of an ant says, something's coming tomorrow, tomorrow matters. And Solomon says, pay attention to this little bitty, not even pea-brained, it's less than that, pencil-lead tip-brained ant. Even the ant knows that tomorrow's coming. Now, this isn't just an Old Testament concept. This also comes about in the New Testament. It also comes from Jesus, this idea that tomorrow matters. And if you have your little your, your, your uh, Bible app, you can pull that up. If you bring your Bible, you can do that as well. But in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus talks about tomorrow matters. And, and the first part of the, the chapter, he talks about some people who have extra oil for their lamps. Because back then, the only way that you could see at night was that if you had a lamp, you didn't have a flashlight, you didn't have batteries. If you had oil in your lamp, you could see. And so there were 10 uh, virgins, five of the virgins had extra oil, five did not. And so when the five who did not have oil, they're outside and they're running around and they they run out of oil. They go to the five virgins who have extra oil and they say, give us some of your oil. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. We planned for this day. You need to go buy some. They went and bought some. While they were buying some, Jesus shows up. And the five who went to buy some totally missed Jesus because they were living paycheck to paycheck and they didn't plan for tomorrow. The five who were prepared went into Jesus' banquet and it says, the Bible, Jesus says he closes the door and those other five did not get to come in. That's, that's kind of tough. Right after that story, he, in verse 14, he says that the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a rich landowner who calls together three of his servants and he, he blesses them and he gives them some money, um, a sum of money to manage while he's on a long trip. Now, I, I just learned this this week. I knew this story, but I just learned this week. He gives them talents. So the first one, he gives five talents. The second one, two talents. And the third one, one talent. And the Bible says, um, according to their ability. So Jesus wasn't just throwing it out there willy-nilly. He, he gave it according to their ability. What I didn't know until this week was a talent. I knew it was a sum of money. In this case, it's not your abilities. It's a sum of money. And it was specifically... Uh, um, a, a measurement of precious metals. And it's somewhere, we don't know exactly, it's somewhere between 58 and 80 pounds of precious metals. So in this instance, Jesus gives the first guy five bags of precious metal. Let's just, let's just use um, 50 to make it easy. So 250 pounds of gold, he gives the first one according to his ability. The second one, he gives a hundred pounds of gold according to his ability. The third one, he gives 50 pounds of gold according to his ability. And when the man returned, he called them together. The first guy had doubled his amount. So he, he went from 250 pounds of gold to 500 pounds of gold. The second one had a hundred pounds of gold, went to, doubled it to, to 200 pounds of gold. And the third one buried his gold in the sand, did nothing with it. I want you to see what happened. You have to turn those lights up because I'm blind as a and, then, and I'm going to read this to you from this if it's not too small. <laughs> I didn't think that through. I need my large print Bible. Maybe that's what I need for Christmas, baby, is a large print Bible. Um, let's see. I was going to start in verse 26. All right. All right. But his master, all right, he's talking to the third slave who buried it in the sand. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I, I scattered no seed, thank you. There's a line in the middle of it. 
Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him, and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. And cast out the worthless slave into outer darkness. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Who is speaking here? Jesus. Okay, this is this is pretty serious. We need to pay attention to this. See, Jesus has, says, whoever is faithful in a little bit, we've, we've been talking about this for four weeks now, whoever is faithful in a little will be faithful in much. Jesus says, if I can trust you with little, I can trust you with a lot. So what does faithful mean to Jesus? In this story, faithful means you you use it to do more. You reproduce or you gain more with your wealth. Now, now don't miss this. What did Jesus call the third slave, the third person, wicked, lazy servant. Not just lazy, wicked. This is from the mouth of our Lord. He said, you're, you're not just a sluggard, you're evil. Because you did not plan for tomorrow. You lived like today was all that mattered. And he said, that's wicked in my kingdom. Uh, the unfaithful servant wasted the opportunity. That's how we can say it. The faithful one multiplies what they have. And Jesus says, because you've multiplied what you have, I can trust you with more. Now, if you want to make people mad, if, if you, I'm just, some of y'all going to go out and start a church someday. Some of you going to do that. If you want to make people mad, talk about money. In fact, I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, he's a pastor. I was standing in his living uh, in his kitchen this week, and we were talking about money. And he said, "You know, our church is in debt, and we want to get out of debt." He said, "How how have you gotten out of debt?" And I just kind of told him stuff. And he goes, "He goes, no, 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 man. I want to know what the Bible says. What are you teaching about this?" And I said, "Well, uh, and this goes way back. I learned this years ago when I was studying um, all of this. Jesus talked more about money than he did prayer, faith, heaven, hell combined." If Jesus thought it was important to talk about, maybe pastors should think it's important to talk about as well. Because if you, if you ignore that, you ignore half of the parables are about, this is one of the parables. Half of the parables are about finances, how you handle finances, how you handle money. You're not giving someone the whole counsel of God if you ignore what Jesus said about it. And, and I'm going to say this again. Jesus said he doesn't want your money. He wants what your money represents, which is your heart. Your money will flow to what is important to you. And Jesus said, I don't want any competition. He didn't say money was bad. If you go to Timothy, first Timothy, he doesn't say that, that money is bad. It says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil and has caused many people to wander from the faith and be pierced with many pangs, many, many pains. Because the love of money gets their eyes off of Jesus. And Jesus says, I want you, I want all of you. I want all of your heart. So anyway, I want to give you just some principles today. Just a couple of principles. It's nothing earth shattering today. But, but there's two principles about making money. And here's the first one. The first one is people making money. Anybody not understand this one? You go to a job, you work so many hours, you get paid per hour, you get a paycheck. Anyone not understand people making money? All right, this is pretty much how it goes in the world is you work, you get paid. There, no, no, I'm not going to go there. Um, second way is money making money. And this is what I don't think a lot of Christians understand. It's the idea of money working for you instead of you always working for the money. Some people never get it. 
But this is what it was it talks about in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus said two guys put their money to work and the money made money. So look what it says. This is uh, verse 16. Go ahead and put that up there. The man who had received five bags of gold, what did he do? He went when? At once. At once and put his money to, to what? He went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. He didn't wait around. He didn't, he didn't procrastinate. He went at once and put the money to work so that he got more. And, and see, when, when God trusts you with, with stuff, you have a choice of what you do with it. And most people spend whatever they get. And what does the Bible call that? Foolish. Some people though, some people set some aside, they give some, they set some aside, and then they live on the rest. If you invest wisely, you multiply what you have. See, when you spend all you got, that's all you got. You don't have any more, right? But when you invest it wisely, you end up having more than you started with. God looks at that person and says, I can trust them. God's not going to force you to be wise with your money, but I'm also going to tell you, God will not bless you. He will not be involved in your finances if you're unwise with your money, if you're foolish with your money. And when you understand this idea that today impacts tomorrow, it's going to change the financial decisions that you make today. So what I want you to do is I want you to think about Financial Peace University. We're going to offer it in, starting in January. It's a nine-week course. It costs $90. You're going to make more than that back easily before the end of the course. The typical amount of people pay off uh, $1,000 in debt, and they got they get $1,000 of um, emergency fund money whenever they uh, whenever they go through this course. So $90 bucks for $1,000 and $1,000, that, that, that seems like a, a reasonable trade-off, right? So it's going to get you focused. You're going to get involved, and you're going to learn how to get out of debt. You're going to learn uh, what kind of insurance you need to get, and you're going to learn how to invest. He's going to give you some basic principles of investing. But let me give you just the, 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 the core, the, actually the most basic principles of investing today. Number one is don't invest in things you don't understand. Now that seems, that seems obvious, right? Oh my goodness. Look what Proverbs 24, three and four says. By wisdom, a house is built and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. In order to build a house, you need knowledge and understanding. In order to build wealth, you need wisdom, you need knowledge, you need understanding. To build anything that lasts, you need wisdom and knowledge and understanding. To to build a parking lot, you need wisdom and knowledge and understanding. How many of you know how to build a parking lot? Joe. Joe's done it. He's built highways. He's built, he helped on the, the Denver airport, right? He helped build the Denver airport. Joe knows the rest of us don't have that much knowledge about building this, right? Um, you should, oh, wow. If I had built it, oh, never mind. Um, it takes knowledge and, and wisdom to build a porch, right? Who did that? George. George works with, with roofs all the time. He has that knowledge and wisdom. So it only makes sense to let someone who has that knowledge and wisdom do that. No matter what you're going to do, if it's going to last, it takes knowledge and wisdom and understanding to build it. So in order to build this wealth, we're not going to do foolish things. We're not going to get involved with something we don't understand. Second, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Usually I try to be a little more, uh, I, I try to hide these a little more cause, cause a lot of teenagers, they try to fill out the blanks, figure out, you know, it's this game they play. My kids have done this for years trying to figure it out. And so I try to really make them, this one I just couldn't because this one is so basic. 
that even your grandma used to say this. Thanks, Nana. Nana had a lot of wisdom, but did you know that Nana was actually quoting scripture when she said, don't put all your eggs in one basket? Look at Ecclesiastes. This is Solomon. He says, divide your investments among many places. If you read um, the New American Standard, which is a literal translation, he says, put your, your investments in seven different places. The idea is spread them out. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Why? For you do not know what risk may lie ahead. You didn't know that was in the scripture, did you? Some of you may have, but most of you didn't. There, there's something like for, for my retirement, there's something called um, dollar cost averaging. All that means is in my retirement account, um, I, I have a, I have a setup. I don't even look at it very often. They tell you not to do that because a few years ago when, when the bubble burst, um, I lost $17,000 in my retirement. At the time though, I was, I was in my mid forties and I wasn't going to touch my retirement for another 30 years. So it didn't matter. One of my friends, he's, he's the same age. He was going crazy. I lost all this money. I said, when were you going to touch that money? 30 years from now. I said, so why are you sweating it now? Because now it's, it's rebounded. So here's what dollar cost averaging is. Let's say you, you just give a hundred dollars a month. If you, if you invest it in a mutual fund, some kind of mutual fund that you understand, you invest it in a mutual fund when the, when the market's up, it's going to buy less shares, right? But the market doesn't always stay up. Sometime it dips. And when it's down, you buy more shares. You just let it ride over time and you don't worry about that. And, and it ends up being really good for you in the long run. So invest in things you can understand, but don't put everything in one basket. Um, the last one is avoid, uh, get rich quick schemes. Do you want to know which, let me ask you, who's more vulnerable to get rich quick schemes, men or women? Men. Yes. We talked about this is men don't nickel and dime their ways into debt. Men buy boats and houses and trucks and stuff, right? Yeah. Something to pull it and then someplace to park it. Right. Men, we, this is, this is. This is an indictment on us. We tend to be sprinters when it comes to investing and investing is a marathon. So look what Proverbs, again, look what Proverbs says. Proverbs 13, 11. Money that comes easily disappears quickly. I think this is why most lottery winners, no matter how much the lottery they win, it's like 70 or 80%. I don't remember. I read the article a few years ago. 70 to 80% of lottery winners are broke within five years. Why? They didn't know how to handle a hundred bucks, much less a hundred thousand bucks. And money that comes in very easily, it's real easy to spend it. Look what he says. Money that comes in easily disappears quickly, but money that is gathered little by little will grow. I encourage you to put stuff in an envelope and save stuff up. And then if you really want to get serious about this, walk into a store. Dave Ramsey talks about this all the time. If something costs $3,000, you get $3,100 bills and you start counting that out and you realize this, I like these. You can't have that many. And he talks about negotiating with whoever there. Cause I've seen it happen. A friend of mine was selling a truck one time and I think, I don't even remember, but it was like $3,000. So this young guy, he knew this principle. This young guy walks in with 2,500, one, I mean, $2,500 bills. And the guy said, no, man, I'm selling it for 3,000. I can't come down to that. And the young man took it out and started counting it, laid it on, on the counter. And my friend said, dude, when he got to 25, I had to take it. And I said, sucker. <laughs> but the young guy understood this principle. And, and he, he laid it out there and the guy's like, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look this gift horse in the mouth. And he gave away 500 bucks of his, anyway, if you, there's an emotional attachment. When you use a card, 
Some of you go get gas and you don't even know how much you spent on gas when you drive away. Some of you go shopping for Christmas and, and you don't even know how much you just spent. And, and the Bible, again, talks about foolish decisions. Well, that's one of them. Wealth is not bad, all right? What's bad is when you want to do good and you got nothing to do good with. And it's because you made decisions yesterday that are affecting today. So if you want to get wealthy, the Bible says that the wise person gets wealthy. Here's the little formula. Money plus consistency plus time equals wealth. We do not like that formula. When, when we've gone on cruises, there was a guy one time, there was a guy on a cruise that spent seven days in the casino. Morning, night, the last night he was up all night and he was bragging to me, I won my, my, I won the cost of the, the cruise. And I said, yeah, but you missed the cruise. It just blew me away. Yeah, but I won. Okay. I'd rather sit by the pool and hold my wife's hand than try to go get it that way. So here's, here's the, this is the most basic formula and I've seen it work over and over and over. And here it is. The 10, 10, 80 plan. You give 10% to God. You save 10%. You either put it away for your emergency fund. When you get your emergency fund fully funded, then you can invest that in another place. And then you live off 80%. If you can buy a vehicle off the 80%, yay for you. If you can go on a vacation out of the 80%, woo, you are winning. You do this over time, you will be wealthy. Now, to, to kind of point this out, I just want to, I just want to see, and, and I want you to make a snap judgment and I want you to think much about it. If I were to give you right now, if I were to say, if you come up here, I will give you a million dollars or I will give you one penny that will double every day for the next 30 days. Which would you take? How many take the million dollars? Rest of you take the penny. Y'all have heard this before, haven't you? Let me show you what the penny does over 30 days. I put that up there, the first slide. So not real impressive by day 11, you're at $10.24. And those of you who took the million going, yeah, next slide. Go all the way down to day 21, you're up to $10,485. And the million dollar people are going, wow, that's cool. Now look down to day 28, it's a million three. Day 29, it's two million six. Day 30, it's $5.3 million. It's perspective, right? We want it now and we forget about money making money. Now, I don't know any scheme, uh, Brad, maybe you know about this in the banking industry, where you can put down a penny today and get $5.3 million. I want in. I want in if you, if, if you find that. But, but the principle is money plus time plus consistency equals wealth. When we understand that tomorrow matters, it's going to change what we do today. Now, it doesn't mean if you're in a bad situation now, it doesn't mean you're going to be in that situation forever unless, unless you keep doing what you've been doing. When you realize less is more, financial stress is bad, giving is good and tomorrow matters, it will change how you view money. I want you to, I want you to start today doing better and do it for 10 years. Let's just use an example. Let's say that, that you make $3,000 a month and you, you give 300 to God because you're saying, God, I trust you with my finances. You save $300 and you live off of 2,400 a month. And, and some of you are going to say, that's not possible. We've done it. We've done, we've lived off less than that when we started the church. You can do it. It just means you have to sacrifice. There was no Netflix. There was no internet. There, there, oh my, there was no eating out, right? You can do it. You just don't want to. 
But let's say you do that for, for a year. $300 a month, you've given $3,600 to the kingdom of God. You've saved $3,600. You do it for 10 years. You've given $36,000 to the kingdom of God. Do you think God's going to be upset with you? Oh man, you gave $36,000. I'm ticked. But you also saved $36,000. If you had $36,000 in your emergency fund, would you be sweating finances right now? So my point is start today and do it for 10 years. Do it for 20 years. Do it for 30 years. It is a game (laughs) that you can win. But it takes time, it takes patience, it takes trust in God with your finances. In fact, uh, this just hit me yesterday when I was studying. Um, in the scripture it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I think that applies to your money as well. Draw near to God financially and God will get involved in your finances. But it's not just finances. And don't, don't think for a minute that I only want you to invest financially. I want you to invest in your marriages. I want your marriages to be the healthiest they can be. I want you to invest in your family. I want you to invest in your jobs. And I want you to invest in the church because when you invest in this church, and by by investing, I don't mean just one hour a week. When you invest in this church, your time, your talents, whether that's money or or actual abilities, treasure is money. When you when you invest your time, your talents, and your treasure, not long, it's not long before this isn't the place you attend. It's the place you belong. You no longer go to church. You are the church. And when you do that for a long amount of time, a long period of time, I think that God is pleased. And when you, when you die, cause chances are you're gonna, unless Jesus comes back, you're going to die. One out of one dies. Odds are really good. And when I stand before him, he's not going to condemn. He said, even a cup of cold water I give to a child in his name will not go unnoticed. So you better believe he's going to notice what I do with the finances. This story, he says, he says, wicked, lazy people waste the opportunities that God gives them. You don't want to be that. I don't want our church to be that. So let's make some choices today. Would you bow your heads for a moment? How many of you would say, I really should be on a different path financially than I've been on lately. Would you raise your hands? All right. Let's just, let's just pray and ask God to help us. Just in your mind, say, Father, would you help me financially? God, would you teach me to trust you in this area of finances? Father, I I pray that you would empower us to live by your principles. So that we could honor you, not just with our words, not just with our hearts, not just with these physical bodies, but with everything that you've given to us. Jesus invested in people. And the reason we're even existing as a church is because of the investment he made in people. And so some of you need to invest your lives in in serving here at New Life. If we don't have a ministry that fits your needs, you start one. The Bible says that all have sinned. I don't want you just to prepare financially for tomorrow. I want you to prepare spiritually. One sin separates you from God. Jesus died on the cross to pay for sins. He was raised after the third day so that he could have victory over sin and death. The two things that that were our greatest needs. 
And then he said, the, the scripture says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. For if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, not you might be, not you can hope to be, you will be saved. So some of you need to pray right now. You, you've never actually prayed this prayer. You need to pray, Father, forgive me of my sins. Would you lead my life? Help me to understand more spiritually and help me to grow up into a fully devoted follower of Christ. Lord, that's our prayer today is that you take everything we have and use it to bring more people into the kingdom that we would invest in your kingdom because that's the only thing that lasts forever. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.